Hey guys, it's Kaylee and Cecilia bringing you the STEM at St. Mike's podcast. We are going to be your hosts, and each week we'll be bringing you current science topics and exploring STEM opportunities right here at St. Mike's. Thank you for joining us today, Professor Loisel. We're really happy that you could make the time in your busy schedule to meet with us. Happy to be here and to answer your questions. Awesome. So we always like to start with a little icebreaker question. What is your favorite part about living here in Vermont? Yes. So I actually really love the fact that you can be super close to the lake and super close to the mountain at the same time. So I like to get out on the water and do things like paddleboard and just walk along the water and then go hiking, you know, in the mountains. I don't ski. So in the winter, I'm kind of just kind of look at them and admire the beauty. Yes, very true. And the bike path all along the waterfront is really great. We run there a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I live pretty close to it. So yeah, I, I go for walks and I go for rides, especially at sunset. It's always so beautiful. Mm. Yes, I know. That's when it gets the most crowded. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> all right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So how did you end up here at St. Mike's? So I'm actually from New England originally. So I was born and raised in Maine. And so I grew up in a lot of like smaller towns all throughout southern Maine and a little bit in central Maine. And I went to college at a school a lot like St. Mike's. I went to Colby. And so I had the green, you know, everywhere you look, trees and grass and the brick buildings and everything. And so I, I had a great experience at, you know, a small liberal arts college and learned a ton and got really excited to do science as a career. And, and the professors there really motivated me and sort of inspired me. Um, then I went around and did a bunch of science. So I, I did, I was a research technician doing cancer research in Boston at MIT for a couple of years after I graduated. And then I went to grad school down at Duke and studied wild baboons and the genetics of their immune system diversity. And then I moved to Chicago to work on some human genetics projects and really loved living in the city. But when I was finishing up my postdoc, I was like, I kind of wanted to get back to like the New England feel. And so when I got an interview here at St. Mike's, I came to visit and like immediately I was like this feels like home and then I met the students and you all were just like super engaged super like curious students and so I was I just felt like it was a really great fit. That's awesome yeah St. Mike's is definitely a home away from home for so many people I think. Yep exactly and the community I mean you feel it as students we feel it as faculty like there's a active sense of like building community and like supporting community and that's not the case at other every other college or university I've been I've worked at a lot of places and like you can tell the places where the community is really strong like St. Mike's and so I wanted to be a part of that basically it's good to know that the professors feel that sense of community too because I know a lot of the students we've talked to that's a major thing that drew them here as mm-hmm. well and we had talked with professor tomasulo earlier in the spring and i know you two were working on some research together the stress in students how has that been going <laughs> it was good yeah so we did two studies last year uh, one in the fall and basically it was looking over the course of several weeks i think we wound up having seven weeks of data about how students were feeling stress both self-reporting it you know doing surveys but also like physiologically were they feeling the stress because it was a pretty stressful fall you know we were trying to figure out covid protocols and do all this stuff so we just got some of that data back from our collaborators at nasa and they sent us all this great molecular data and so we're literally really pouring through these files, trying to sort of figure out the big comparisons we're going to make right now 
so that's going well. We don't have any great you know, conclusions to share right now, but hopefully pretty soon. And then we did another version of it in the spring as well. And so we collected a bunch of samples and we're processing data on that now. And so it's actually going really well. We, because of this collaboration, we were actually invited Professor Thomas Sewell and I to work on another project too, involving people who will be overwintering in Antarctica. In other words, they go up to Antarctica and spend the the winter there without essentially in a really small area, and it can be pretty stressful. And so we're going to work with a bunch of other research labs from all over the, the country to study like how how they respond to stress and, and what can be done to sort of diminish it a little bit. Because as you know, stress is everywhere, and it really can affect our performance, right? That's awesome. It's good to see that, I mean, the STEM department here is participating in something that's countrywide. I think that really shows how good our STEM department is, even though we are a liberal arts college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, exactly. And, and so we're actually, we are working on designing a new, a slightly different version of the stress studies and hopefully get those started by the end of this semester with St. Mike's participants and also St. Mike's students who are going to be helping us. So we have a handful of St. Mike's research assistants. And so to look at stress in real time, basically, like hook you up to some stuff and look at how your body responds in real time. And so do you have any advice for students who want to get involved with research at St. Mike's? Because you mentioned you have some research assistants here. Yeah, no, my advice is to to talk to your professors, basically, uh, especially, you know, the first year can be a little tough because really the first year is about settling in and figuring stuff out. But by the end of the first year, you should start looking around. So talk to the different professors and the subjects you're interested in. Tell them that you're interested in, you know, potentially doing research one day with them. And sometimes they'll have opportunities right away. Sometimes, you know, maybe the next semester or the next year they might have something now when you're a sophomore uh, or a junior like you've taken some upper level bio or chem and so think of the topics we covered in those classes which ones were most exciting to you which ones were most interesting and then just go ask the professor and often even if they don't have a project going there if they if they see that you're motivated and you're willing to put in the time and effort that they're usually willing to mentor you and so I have some students who They've said, I want to do research. I'm like, great, I have a project for you tomorrow. And then other students are, I'm like, all right, come up with an idea and get back to me. And they did. And they designed their entire project all by themselves. And I just helped along the way. So yeah, talk to your professors, (laughs) Uh, ones that you've had, or just other professors in the department, because there are opportunities, but there's not like a central place to look for them. So you really just got to kind of do your, do your research. Yeah, no pun intended. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So what classes do you teach here at St. Mike's? Yes, so this semester I'm teaching our Intro to Health Science course. We have two lecture sections, so I teach one of them, and that's a first-year course, and it's for the health science majors. It's their, like, first foray into biology, and we we basically do a unit on stress because Professor Tomasula and I teach the, the two sections. And then we talk about infectious diseases and then chronic diseases. And so it's really this biology and health class. So I do that in the fall. And then I'm also teaching immunology and parasitology, which is a 300 level course where we really dive deep into all the things that are trying to make us sick. And then how does our immune system keep us alive for the decades in which we live? And so we, we look at different parasites and pathogens and immune responses. And that's probably the course I enjoy teaching the most. That's the one where I just think it's so interesting and so fun. And I always learn stuff from the students. And then in the spring, I usually I teach a genetics class. It's called population and evolutionary genetics. And it's really about 
how do mutations or how does genetic variation differ in time and space? And so the, the evolution part is the time part. How has genetic variation changed over time? And then the space part is the population, you know, a population of bobcats here in Vermont versus a population in Georgia. How are they different genetically? And so we, we explore a lot of those topics. And then in previous years, I've taught Bio 153, which is our intro cell bio and genetics class. And I've taught a senior seminar on emerging infectious diseases, which was also a lot of fun. It sounds like you cover a broad range of topics here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a geneticist by training, but I've always studied the immune system. So the immunology and the genetics are like right in my wheelhouse, which I like. And then, yeah, it's fun to teach new classes too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know everyone loves the immunology class. That's the one I was most excited for this semester. Because everyone says it's really hard, but super interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's fun. Like, it's just so weird when you look at like biology and just the fact that we have this whole category of organisms that just decide to live on other things. You know, they're like, I don't want to do my own thing. I want to go live in a host and make their bodies really weird essentially so. <laughs> pretty much and so an easy transition I guess since you're the immunology professor and people have been talking a lot about vaccines recently can you give us kind of some fun facts like if they're safe and effective or kind of why they require boosters sometimes you know in my opinion at least vaccines are the most amazing invention that a scientist have ever come up with because literally what we did was say Oh, here's what normally happens. When this thing infects, you know, a human or an animal, it usually causes all this. And we, we want to prevent all that. So let's basically mimic an infection with something that's safe, right? So instead of a nasty virus getting into your body, we say, let's take a little piece of that virus, put it into your body, and have your immune system just learn the face, learn the identity of this little piece so that if they see it again, they can respond a lot faster. And the biggest jumps basically in life expectancy and public health improvements were when we introduced viruses to like the most common things. For example, like smallpox was killing literally millions of people every year. And then once we had a vaccine, got it rolled out, we, we essentially eliminated that virus and those infections off the face of the earth. We literally saved millions and millions of lives by essentially training our immune system to see it faster. So I think they're just amazing. And in terms of safety, they're incredibly safe when you look at the actual numbers, the number of people who get them, and the side effects. You know, way safer than uh, a lot of the things that we do every day in our lives, such as driving cars or eating uh, big, big meals full of sodium and fat, for example. And again, like the safety is, they're the most sort of tested medical product that you could ever get. You know, when we look at like all the things your doctor might prescribe, all the things that you might ingest, you know, from the pharmacy, nothing has been tested as much as the vaccines that we get, including COVID, which again, we did it very quickly, but with a huge number of people. So instead of having a bunch of small studies that last over years, they basically said, let's take tens of millions of people and test them all at once. And so instead of doing things one after another, they decided to do them all at once, essentially. And then to get to, get to the booster question, it was a, there's a few reasons why we need boosters. A big part of it is actually, it's incredibly hard to walk the fine line between getting protection and having it be like strong enough, but not too strong, right? So you don't 
when you get a vaccine, you want your immune system to respond in an appropriate way. And it's hard to define what that is, but it means not too little, not too, not too much. For example, if you produce too much antibody, it's all going to be in your blood. It can really affect like blood viscosity in the way that the blood operates. So you have to be careful. And so the best way to do that is to kind of do it incrementally. Give one vaccine, get an immune response, let that immune response die down a little bit and then give another one so that only the memory cells that were generated the first time, only they respond essentially. Because if you did it all at once, you might have way too big of a reaction, right? And so it's really about fine-tuning the reaction, so the immune reaction, so that it's not too little and it's not too big, right? It's, it's the Goldilocks thing, just right. You want to get it just right. And some things are easier to get vaccines than others too. So sometimes it just takes a lot of trial and error to get the dose just right. And also, I mean, with COVID, because it has been mutating so quickly. That's well, that's the other thing too, exactly, right? Like every time we are protecting ourselves, we're putting a pressure on the pathogen that's trying to exploit us. And so sometimes that pressure results in them evolving into a new or a slightly different form. And they, you know, you can look at that with drugs. For example, we have tons of bacteria that are now resistant to all of our best antibiotics because of that pressure. And it's the same thing with, with viruses. Um, they're going to mutate and sometimes they become really, really good at their job. And that makes it harder to, to stay safe. So that's why the faster you can essentially get rid of, clear an infection in a population, the better the, the long-term trajectory is. So. Awesome. Well, that's very cool and very informative. Yeah, there's lots of really cool stuff about vaccines. And the, actually, one that I think is super interesting is the human papillomavirus. And so, you know, HPV is linked to a lot of cancers. And now we have a vaccine to prevent cancer, which I think is just like the coolest thing. And hopefully we can get more and more of those. Yeah, hopefully. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, the less cancer, the better. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today. I was happy to. And uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for the questions and for uh, spreading some more science to the community. Thank you for joining us here at STEM at St. Mike's. Our podcast is available at Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you want to hear more about new content that we're creating, or if you have any questions for us, head on over to our Instagram page, STEM at St. Mike's Podcasts. We appreciate your support. That's all we have for now, and we will see you all next week.